Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hey IDP Army, ever think about making your own podcast? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make some money with your podcast too, with no minimum listenership. It's got everything that you need to make a podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for IDP Army? Download the free Anchor app and go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hello, welcome to the Dynasty Tailgate Podcast. I am your host at Ombre Vendor on Twitter. My name's Billy. I'm brought to you by the IDP Army. Uh, follow them on TikTok. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, Jordan's always putting good stuff on there. Just follow us wherever. Get in the Discord. I have we have a college football chat in there, and I'm updating that every week. So, this is our college football podcast. We're on to week six. Uh, before we move on to week six, though, I would like to go over a little couple things from week five. So, we went into last week thinking we got, you know, Alabama's in trouble. Alabama's going to get, you know, Matt Corral's going to go in there and really show Alabama, you know, what a good quarterback looks like. Well, that didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of disappointing. I was really hoping a lot from Matt Corral. He, I guess I thought he was going to be a little bit more of a rushing threat. He does have six rushing touchdowns on the season. So I was kind of, I don't know. I was kind of hoping, you know, he was going to give him a little bit more trouble, but it wasn't a game. It was over by halftime. 
They made a little fun run at the end, but the game was all bit over by then. Bryce Young is clearly the best quarterback in college football, but he is not eligible to be drafted this year. So for dynasty purposes, we're going to have to back that up. Debbie, hopefully you have him. Georgia versus Arkansas went exactly how I did not expect. I did not expect Arkansas to come out that bad. I thought Georgia's defense was good. I did not know they were that good. Arkansas could not get the ball. Like As soon as they snapped the ball, Georgia had five people in the backfield saying what's up to Jefferson. And the thing is, I I don't know really what any team's going to do against Georgia's defense this year. That, that the defense is one of the best I've seen in college football, at least in 10 years. I'm sorry. Like there, there's nothing in the past 10 years that's looked like that. It looks like an NFL defense. All of those kids are first rounders. Like at least a majority of them are. There's at least five of them that are going in the first round just this year. It's, it's a savage unit and, and they're so good. So that kind of stunk. Um, Notre Dame played Cincinnati, kind of came up to an upset. Desmond Ritter did his thing. Notre Dame kind of had that one coming. Let's be honest. Notre Dame has been kind of floating along. Um, they've kind of upset. They've kind of beat some teams that we thought were going to beat them, but then didn't. They almost lost to Florida State, which would have been embarrassing looking back. But in the end, it ends up being Cincinnati that takes them down. And then now Cincinnati pretty much gets to coast for the rest of the season. Not a lot of good teams left on their schedule. Anywho, so every week on this podcast, I've been going over stats for the games that have been played for that week. And we've been kind of gathering stats, kind of gathering up how we feel about the players each week. Well, this week we're going to do things a little differently. I've compiled I've I've compiled all the stats that have been for each game so far. And we're just going to go through player by player and kind of talk about and talk it out. We need to find out who's a first round talent. Who's a second round talent? Who's, you know, who do we need to be targeting in our drafts? If we're in a dynasty league right now, we need to figure out what we're going to do with our picks. Are we needing to trade up for people? Are we needing to trade down because there's not a lot of talent this year? This is what we're going to, you know, we're almost halfway through the season. There's 13 weeks in the season. This is week going, we're going into week six. So we're about almost halfway home. So I just kind of, we just kind of need to do a little, you know, recap of what we've done so far. So, we're going to start out with quarterbacks first. Ladies and gentlemen, there is not a quarterback that's going to go first overall this year. The, the defensive talent is way too good at the top of the draft. I can definitely – Kayvon Thibodeau is for sure going in the top two picks. That's going to happen. No, you can just – you can stamp that right now. Derek Stingley Jr., who, you know, we just found out recently this week, he's getting foot surgery. He's going to be out for an extended period of time. I – Kind of think it's going to be the entire season, but he says he might come back for the last couple of games. We'll see. I'm going to go ahead and bet his season's done or his his career is done at LSU, and he's going to be preparing for the draft in April slash May. So let's just start out at the top. First quarterback that or, you know we're, we'll just go off the quarterbacks. I'm going to start with passer rating. That's how we're going to you know we're going to go top to bottom from passer rating. And the top passer rating quarterback right now is Malik Willis from Liberty. So he has a 191 passer rating, 71% completion percentage, passing yards, 1,105, 17 total touchdowns, and 418 rushing yards, zero interceptions. 
These are great stats. This is exactly what you like to see from a quarterback that's from a small school. The numbers aren't flashy. The competition's not flashy. Neither of those things is really going to jump out at you. But he's showing that he can do everything that you need him to do, and he's mobile. That is key in today's NFL is being mobile. Obviously, if you're in this, if you're listening to this podcast, you know that by now. But in case you know you need a little help, guess who the best quarterbacks are for fantasy? It's Kyler Murray. It's Lamar Jackson. It's the guys that can run around. So Malik Willis looks like he is the next step in that. He's only six foot tall, so you can't really compare him to Cam Newton, which I have in the past, or like a Trey Lance, for example. He'll probably end up with, if he keeps on the trajectory, about a thousand yards rushing. So that that's actually really cool. It's cool to see. And I think that's very positive for him. Where he's going to fall in the draft. Now, that is an interesting question because I think a lot of people are kind of pegging him to maybe go like the second quarterback. And it's clearly because it's only because of his rushing upside. He he can run the football. And I can't say that I disagree with that. I mean, I think that he is a good quarterback. He can definitely make all the throws. I think the completions percentage is key because even when you had like Lamar Jackson or you had Trey Lance, their completion percentage wasn't very good. So you weren't sure if they could actually complete balls, but he can. So I think Malik Willis, maybe the second quarterback taken, maybe second or third, second or third right now. Uh, we'll move on to the next one on the list. Matt Corral from Ole Miss. Uh, he just had to go up against the buzzsaw that is Alabama this past week. So that may have affected his stats a little bit. 177 passer rating. 69% completion percentage, 1,210 yard passing, 16 total touchdowns, 161 yards rushing. Not really a rushing threat. I kind of thought he was a little bit more, you know, a little bit more agile than he actually was against Alabama, which is kind of disappointing. He does have six rushing touchdowns, but a lot of them, you know, they've been scrambled. So I thought that, I don't know, that's why I thought he'd be good against Alabama, but they pretty, they shut that down pretty quick. So I like Matt Corral. He he seems to be the right guy for the job. Um, He seems to be the number one quarterback. I I think he's going to remain that way. Everything that he shows in his games and on tape is that he understands the position. He can make the throws you need him to make. And I I think that's just how you're going to have to treat him. I think he's the number one quarterback in the class. So I, I don't really have much more to say. We need more information on him. He's going to play Arkansas this week. So that will be – it'll be good to see um, if he can do – he can do the same thing against Arkansas, who's coming off that devastating loss to Georgia. We'll see if Matt Corral can get back on track. But those stats are not bad. Zero interceptions. Forgot to add that in there. So that's also good. You know, turnovers are a good thing to not have in as a quarterback. So Matt Corral, still number one. Malik Willis. I think I'm going to leave Malik Willis three because one person later down this list I still think is the second best. Um, my fifth best quarterback right now, Sam Howell from North Carolina. So 169 yard, 169 passer rating, uh, 62% completion percentage, 1,494 yards. He's got 17 touchdowns, 288 yards on the ground, four interceptions. So he's had a very – like. Uh, roller coaster season. So like he began on the bottom, bottom of the pile. He did not look good in those first couple games, 
But since then, he's kind of gotten things going. He's throwing to Josh Downs, his number one receiver there, and he's really getting getting his 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 groove back. I think he looks closer to what we expected. The sixty two percent completions percentage is a little bothersome to me, but you know he throws. Like you know, he's got to throw. So I don't I don't hate it. He's got obviously the most yards out of any of these quarterbacks we're talking about, and. I think that he's he's definitely a first rounder. I just think he's a back half of the first round kind of guy. So I I have him five right now. Spencer Rattler is still number two to me. So 158 passer rating, 76 percent completion percentage, 1260 yards, 12 touchdowns, 95 rushing yards, and four interceptions. He has not had a spectacular season. I'll give you that. But the last two games, he's actually played really well. Really well. The balls are getting to the places they need to be, and his receivers are being able to catch them in only places that the receivers can catch them. The He was sloppy at the beginning of the season. He's really tightened it up. And as long as he makes the throws he's making, I can't see how he doesn't go in the top ten in the NFL draft. He's just, you know, a lot of people just are used to the flash. They're used to the Kyler Murray, the use of the Baker Mayfield, they're used to the Jalen hurts putting up these gaudy numbers that make you just say like, wow, that person is going to be great in the NFL. You know, you kind of see what Baker's doing in the NFL. It's, it's not a whole lot. And as far as like passing goes, like Jalen hurts, maybe not the best passer. He's good at rushing, but not the, you know, not amazing at passing. I think Spencer is one of the better passers, because I think he knows how to throw a good ball. And I think as the season progresses, he's only going to get better, and I think he's going to work his way back up into the conversation. So that's still number two. So Matt Corral, one, Spencer Rattler, two, Malik Willis, three, and my next quarterback is Desmond Ritter. He's number three. He's number four. 162 passer rating, 63 completion percentage, uh, 1,045 yards passing, 12 total touchdowns, 98 yards rushing, two interceptions. So the only reason I have him number four over Howell right now is he's got that like, man, I hate saying stuff like this, but he's like, he's got that dog about him. Like he's got the will. He wills his team to victory. That I like from a quarterback. That is something that's intangible. It's not going to show up on a spreadsheet. It's not. You know, I, I know that everybody out there that's like a, a draft person's like, well, okay, you can't really do much with that. I, I think he's got that that extra hump about him. And I, I kind of like his game. You know, he he like I said, not flashy, lunch pail, lunch pail guy. He he, you know, he needs when he needs to go to work, he goes to work. So the 63% percent completion percentage kind of bothers me a little bit. I wish that was higher, you know, but Ritter is a good quarterback. I think that he can I think he can work his way back up there. And then lastly, and this is mainly for the people out there that are really pushing for him, but Carson Strong, 145 pass rating, 67% completion percentage, 1200 yards passing, eight total touchdowns, negative 37 rushing yards and two interceptions. So the problem with Carson Strong to me is his stats. His stats are not great. Uh, the passing yards are good and Nevada, you know, they've, they've only played four games, but they actually can make things look good. And 
my problem is his rushing upside. It's not there. He's never rushed well at Nevada. So what, like, why would that change in the NFL? He's a statue. I'm sorry. Those don't work. I, I know that everybody's like, oh, Carson Strong, you might be the best. No, 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 stop. We've we've moved past, we've evolved past this kind of quarterback in the NFL. It's time to let it go. I'm sorry. It, it he might he might be a good second. He's a good backup, probably. I the thing is, is he's gonna probably work his way in the back half of the first round, and I hate that because I don't think he deserves it. And that's just where we are right now. Maybe he can prove prove me wrong, but 145 passer rating. Eight total touchdowns, negative 37 rushing yards. Obviously, those are all from sacks, but what? there's no upside at all there. Like, all these other quarterbacks have been sacked, and, you know, Malik Wills has 400 rushing yards. So I don't see it with Carson Strong, and I think it's time to let it go. The second or third round, draft him to be your backup. Let's not overthink this. Okay, let's move on to wide receivers. Um, I'm actually just going to have these in order of yards. Um, not that that's the way that I judge any wide receiver. I think receptions, uh, yards per, uh, you know, uh, catch yards per reception. Those, those are the more important stats, but I just want to, you know, for time's sake, we're just going to go over receptions, yards and touchdowns for these wide receivers. Cause I think it kind of tells a story if you can read through the lines. So Drake London, 48 receptions, 670 yards, four touchdowns. That is good. That is really good. That's exactly what you need to see. 48 receptions. Nobody else on my list has over 35. That's that's of my top 10 wide receivers. None of them has over 35. He has 48. That should tell you everything that you need to know. That's a very specific number, 48. 670 yards, four touchdowns. The kid's good. I think he's the third best wide receiver in this class. It's still not a flashy name, and I understand that, but he's 6'4", I believe, 220 pounds. I I think this is the diamond, the diamond that a lot of people are going to have in the rough. So keep the name Drake London at the front of your minds when you're in your drafts. I'm sure he's going to get talked about, and I'm sure he's going to vault up draft boards. Drake London, remember that name. I'll move on. Best route runner in the class, Garrett Wilson. 26 receptions, 462 yards, four touchdowns. He slices and dices defenses. You can see he's got a ton of yards off 26 receptions. He's good. He, he's splitting uh, receptions with Chris Olave and the other pass catchers they have there, Trayvon Anderson, obviously. Why, running back there. Does a lot of work, so that's very good. He's the best route runner in the class. He's got great hands. Don't overthink it. He's number one in the class for a reason. To me, I, I, to other people, there's other people that I, I, you know, there's a lot of names out there. Justin Ross comes to, to mind. I don't even have him listed right now because his stats aren't very, very good. Justin Ross is not Garrett Wilson. Neither is Chris Olave, but we'll get to him. Moving on, South Alabama champion Jalen Tolbert, 20 receptions, 460 yards, zero touchdowns. I will hear you 
say, well, why in the world would we, you know, he doesn't have any touchdowns. I get it. I understand that. 460 yards on 20 receptions is a booming player. Now he's still down my board. He's six or seven on my wide receivers. Boomer, 20 receptions for 460 yards. I'm not even going to say anymore because that's impressive and he needs to be seen. Next on the list, Jahan Dotson for Penn State, 35 receptions, 458 yards, six touchdowns. That's probably the most complete stat line that we have on this on this list so far. Uh, well, Jake London's pretty pretty good, but Jahan Dotson's the number one option on that team. Everybody every week knows that he, the ball is coming to him, and he does not give a damn because he's going to go out there. He's going to put up stats. Penn State's undefeated. They're going to go against Iowa this week. I'll talk about it a little bit later. Keep that guy's name circled because if there's going to be a big play in any game that Penn State's a part of, it's going to be because of Jahan Dotson. So we need to keep him in mind. He's going to be good in the future. I still have, I think I have him at three or four. And I don't, I, I don't doubt he won't be at least in the first round of rookie drafts. If, you know, IDP aside, we'll get to IDP at a later date, but IDP aside, Jahan Dotson will be up there. David Bell for, Oh man, I already blanked on what team he's on. Purdue, 27 receptions, 439 yards, three TDs. He has been hurt, so you know you have to hold that in regard. He hasn't had an, and he's missed an entire game to add stats to that, but that's really good. He looks complete. I've seen a lot of people have him pretty high on their draft boards. I'm probably too low on him. We'll see. As as time goes on, I'm sure that he will he will go up on mine as well. Chris Olave is number, I mean, he's like eight or nine on my board, but or seven, but 23 receptions, 374 yards, five touchdowns. Two of those came in this past game. So Chris Olave had two really quiet games and three pretty good games. Two, two good games. I don't, I don't want to shortchange him. He looks the part, he has the pedigree, but I just, I think there's better options. And I think if there's going to be a bus in this class, it's going to be him. And I I don't know. We'll see as as more people talk about the draft coming up. I think Chris Olave is going to go down on people's boards. I think there's some issues there that are underlying, and we'll get to them. My number two person on the board is Traylon Burks, 22 receptions, 383 yards, and two touchdowns. The only reason these numbers aren't higher is because they just played Georgia, and Georgia completely shut them down. He probably would be up higher if he uh, could even have – I think he caught two balls on Saturday, but he could not over – the quarterback could not overcome – K.J. Jefferson could not overcome Georgia's defense. I'm not sure anybody's going to be able to overcome Georgia's defense. We'll see when Alabama has to play him in the SEC championship, but I don't I don't see how a team – I would love to see the team that has to do – does good against them because I just don't see it. And lastly on this list is a Flowers, 23 receptions, 345 yards, two touchdowns, plays at Boston College. He's He's been pretty well. He's my 10th wide receiver. I think he's going to be in the fourth round or so. I think you got to keep players like him in mind because although he's going to be in the third round of your you know rookie draft, probably going to fall that low, you're still going to want him on the team. Like I think he's a good – you know, like a Monroe St. Brown for the Detroit Lions. I think kind of like that situation. 
where like, you know, he's could have an opportunity. You're not really sure quite yet, but when training camp comes around, you're going to be like, Whoa, say flowers. Where did he come from? I think he's going to be one of those guys. So just keep that name in mind. Uh, we'll quickly get through the running backs. I don't want to take up too much more time because we've only got a few minutes left on the podcast. So we'll go through number one, Isaiah Spiller, best running back in the class. Nick Chubb comparisons from myself. A lot of people don't want to go that far yet, and I can completely understand because that happens. But, oh, well, 68 attempts, 445 yards, two touchdowns, 6.5 yards per attempt, uh, 100 yards in receptions, and one receiving touchdown. The kid's good. He's a very powerful runner, very strong runner. Uh, he's splitting time right now in Texas A&M. They, that's really, they only have a rushing offense. So I think he's still my number one, and he'll remain my number one. Brees Hall's number two, 104 attempts for 551 yards, eight touchdowns on the ground, uh, 16 receptions, 117 yards, and one t- receiving touchdown. He looks like second back in this class. He's very good runner, very strong through the tackles. Brees Hall, you know, these are the guys you're going to have at your one-two in your drafts. I don't. I think there's a drop-off after the two. You can start going to wide receivers after that, but Spiller and Hall will be the, the running backs you're after in this draft. I'm curious to see if one of them goes in the first round. I I, I have to imagine one of them will, or at least, at least one, probably maybe both go in the first round just because, you know, teams need quarter or running backs. But those will be the two guys that I would be looking at going forward. Um, the next one I have is actually Kyron Williams. He's number three on my list. 77 rushes for 289 yards, three touchdowns, 14 receptions, 174 yards, and two receiving touchdowns. He's a, he's, he's a cat. He's a pass catching back. So you're not, you know, you're not going to use him. As he's not going to be the runner that you're going to want. Maybe he changes that when he gets the NFL. I don't know, but for right now, he's mainly a pass catching back, and that and that's how they're using him, and that's what he's going to be seen as going into the NFL. So, and that's a very strong thing. A lot of teams need a pass catcher like that, like a Kareem Hunt, for example, something like that. So that's what Kyron Williams is to me. So hopefully, he can keep that going forward. Uh, next player on my list is Zach Charbonnet, UCLA, 68 rushes, 449 yards, seven touchdowns, nine receptions for 111 yards, zero receiving touchdowns so far. Good player, very strong runner. I've seen him play twice live. He looks the part. He he looks every bit. Uh, he's a transfer from Michigan. Um, I bet they wish they had him now, but they're you know they're still good. But Zach Charbonnet is our is our guy. I think I, I think. I don't, I don't uh, a second round running back in your dynasty draft, probably one of the maybe late end. It de- kind of depends on where he falls. I think that'll be the the, the deciding factor. Um, CJ Verdell for Oregon, 78 rushes, 406 yards, six touchdowns, nine receptions for 83 yards, and two touchdowns. Both of those came against Ohio State. He's been in, he's been an impactful player for Oregon. Very good. Uh, he's splitting time with uh, Travis Dye right now, so you know he's not getting the full brunt of the stats, but he's been very good. We've seen split split backs in the past have come out to be very good feature backs in the NFL. It's happened. Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb um, are, are two that come to mind immediately. 
Mixon, well, I would say Mixon and P. Ryan, but P. Ryan never really shook out. But split backs, they can come out and they can be good. I think C.J. Verdell might be hauling that line, and I think, you know, given the right – all of these players are going to be given the right situation, they can succeed. I understand what, like, you know, why you could read into that and see, like, well, anybody could be good if they're given the right opportunity. But I think C.J. Verdell is one of those guys that could seize on it because he's got all of the the attributes that you would want in a, in a running back. Uh, got three more real quick. Zonovan Knight, 71 yards or 71 rushes, 462 yards, three touchdowns, six catches for 30 yards. He's a fifth, sixth round running back. I, I don't want to kid myself. He, I want him to be elevated higher, but he's just simply, I don't think he's going to get the workload to get there. So some nights he's not even a featured back. There's another guy there. So, uh, two more Tyler Algieri, 102 rushes, 559 yards, seven touchdowns seven receptions for 43 yards. Um, He's been really good for BYU so far, and I don't think that he should be discounted. I I think that there's a chance he could be one of the better rushers in this class. I think he's going to very well go under the radar in drafts. At least I think he'll probably be a day two, maybe slip to day three, which is going to suck. But I think that in the end, he's going to end up being one of those backs that you're like, oh, I remember him when he was at B. Yeah, I think that's going to be him. Um, he played with Zach Wilson last year, was very good last year, and now he's playing with a new quarterback this year, and he's doing all of the same. Last quarter or last running back on my list, uh, Eric Gray for Oklahoma. The stats are terrible 49 rushes, 245 yards, zero touchdowns eight receptions, 85 yards, and one receiving touchdown. The problem is their O-line is terrible at Oklahoma. He's not getting the opportunities because he's having to split work with Kennedy Brooks, who also could be on this list. He'll probably be a day three guy. I'm probably going to be sixth round. But the the thing I want to say is the talent is there. He transferred in from Tennessee to Oklahoma. There's a lot of stuff that goes into changing. You know, when you have a change of scenery like that, sometimes – it doesn't always click right away. And so I just don't want people to forget about him because by the time he gets drafted, you know, you never know. So I just, I don't know. I just want people to remember Eric Gray when they get into their drafts, because I think there's a chance that he might surprise everyone. All right, let's quickly go through some game previews. Got a couple minutes left. Oklahoma versus Texas is this week. Always a big game. Um, it's a good, it'd be a good showcase for Bijan Robinson. Oklahoma's uh, run defense has been really good this year, so it'll be a good test for him. Also, a good test for Oklahoma's defense. There's Perrion Winfrey, Nick Benito, two guys that we expect to go probably in the first round of the NFL draft. Um, it'd be nice to see them in action. Eric Gray, as I just talked about, and Spencer Rattler also would be great to see what they can do in that game. Arkansas plays Ole Miss, kind of went over that earlier. It's Matt Corral versus Traylon Burks, head up, heads up. Traylon Burks, this would be a good bounce back game, and Matt Corral, this would also be a good bounce back game. Can't wait to watch and see what, you know, what we got going in that game. Georgia plays Auburn this week. It'll be good to see Georgia's elite defense against Auburn. Uh, Bo Nix, not not really anybody I want to pay attention to. I do want to pay attention to Auburn's running back, Tank Bigsby. It's kind of funny that Joe made a joke about him before we started this podcast and bought a jersey. Well, kind of. He bought the jersey. He's never going to get it because that person probably does not exist. But it'll be nice to see. Or it'll be interesting to see what Tank Bigsby looks like against Georgia's 
ferocious D-line. North Carolina plays Florida State. Other years, that would be a big game, but this year it's not because Florida State stinks. Hopefully Sam Howell give them hell. And then the best game of the week is Penn State versus Iowa. This will be a good game for Jahan Dotson to show what he can do. These are a couple of grinded-out defenses, a couple of grinded-out offenses. Penn State's going to go for the one big play, and if that one big play happens, it'll be because of Jahan Dotson. I'm going to bet that. I'm going to bet Penn State wins that game, by the way, because I don't think Iowa has faced anyone quite like that. Alabama plays Texas A&M this weekend. I was hoping this would be a bigger game. It's it's just simply not. It would be good to see Isaiah Spiller go off against Alabama. Alabama currently houses the number one running or quarterback in the nation, which is Bryce Young. He's not eligible to play in the NFL after this season. So hopefully we can, you know, hopefully we can get something. Hopefully we can see what the future is. The future looks bright for Bryce Young. So hopefully we can see some good stuff from him against Texas A&M. And the last game is of the night is New Mexico versus Nevada, which will be on, you know, Pac-12 after dark. Well, Pac-12 after dark is actually UCLA versus Arizona, which will be good because it gets see Zach Charbonnet go off. But Nevada plays New Mexico also that late, and I got to see it from Carson Strong. So when I'm, you know, pouring up my last drink of the night, I will be watching Carson Strong hopefully do what Carson Strong can do. We'll see. So anyway, have a good week. Go on to week six. Watch some football this Saturday. Hopefully I'm, I'm, hopefully some of these games are good. Last week I kind of promised that and it didn't really happen. So hopefully this week will be a little bit better. Uh, come back next week. We will continue. We'll probably talk more about defensive players next week because we need to get ready for our IDP drafts just like we need to get ready for our regular drafts because that's what we do here on the IDP Army. So have a good weekend.